Okay, welcome back everyone to an episode of Teacher Talk. My name is Rianne. And I am Jamila. Welcome back, guys. I almost forgot, um, like, my name or something. Just then I was just like, what? But yes, everyone, we are back. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand. It happens. It happens. The it end happens. of year, um, end of year countdown, almost. We're getting there. Um, I feel, because I, I finish on the 7th of July, but I think the UK is like the 23rd, 21st. Yeah. And I still I feel think... like that's late. I feel like both of them are late either way. Um, I, I, I'm ready like June 21st. The yeah, school I'm just ready. Done. Actually, like, I'm looking at the calendar and I'm just like, so I feel like the weeks are going quick. They are. When I look at them, when I look at them in terms of like plans I've got and even things that I need to do before I get back to the UK in one piece, fingers crossed. And I'm like, oh, well, I've got to do this. I've got to sort that. There's no point doing this or make sure I've got this. But then it's still there. But alas, we just, we keep it moving. We keep it moving. Keep it moving. And that's it. That's what we do with really. I literally think that's all you can do. Like even in the eve in the um evenings now I'm just like, right, come home, just log off, just you know. It's almost what's the thing you oh no, clocking out, clocking out, I'm clocking out. Yeah. Do you literally I clock out by like three o'clock mentally. Even though school doesn't finish till 10 past three, I've clocked out yeah. by like three o'clock, 2.45, I'm ready to go. I feel like that brain fog, you know when it is actually in your brain and you just feel fr- um, the brain fog, the grogginess towards that end of That's the night. Like, I feel like even after lunch, sometimes depending on what you've eaten, it's like, ooh, I'm feeling oh. I can't eat too much of certain things when I'm at work. Yeah. Like I bring just enough for lunch, but yeah. not enough to make me feel overfull. Yeah. If that makes sense. I used so to like it's that. difficult to go back to work when you're too full, like to then stand up and teach. Yeah. Like I like to keep it a good amount, but I don't want to overdo it. No. That's just a me personally. No, I try not to things I do love eating anyway, but I think at, cause at the moment, obviously over here, it's about 45 degrees. So it's even like trying to... Um, Eating water. Literally, I'm just... This is... Literally, this water, what, this 1.5 litres, I'm trying to have a good two or three of them. I'm trying to have two and a half of them at work, finish the rest at home because it's a lot the heat but I'm, I'm you know not gonna I'm not gonna complain trying to show that gratitude but the heat no of course the heat is it. I'm in my house <laughs> it literally if you're it's out the house in a cab out the cab to wherever you're going because it is hot at the moment the aircon is on so I'm grateful but yes people we are on the year where it's been a year 
now since we launched um, Teacher Talk, since we launched the podcast. And there's been a lot. I feel like this year has been a lot of things going on, education-related. I think COVID has shown that the education system is full of ass. Mm. At least, I think the issues that have come out that are present and prevalent in the education system—they obviously existed before. But I think that just in light of like COVID and like Black Lives Matter, and then that yeah. um, Seawell Seawell report, no? yeah, the so rage report like, that came out that said yeah, there was yeah. no race. I feel like all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of this has come about. Can you imagine, like, here's the joke. Here's the joke for me with that report. Let's digress. The, it, the report, right, was done by, like, this race committee that had been set up off the bat of Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Now, how can that same committee, I can't remember the name, I'll find the name, but how can that same committee, who was created off the bat, of Black Lives Matter, which is to highlight the racism and um, oppression faced by black people in the UK and across the world effectively. How can that same committee then conduct a report and then say that Britain is not racist? Or was it, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Wasn't no. the whole committee bill off the back of the fact that Britain is racist? Racist, exactly. It makes no sense. I was in a talk the other day with um, the MP for Liverpool. One of the MPs for Liverpool. She's like the first black MP in Liverpool. And she basically said, rip that report up and throw it in the bin. Because yeah. it literally does nothing. And this is an MP. It literally does nothing for black people or any other minoritized group because racism clearly is a thing. And that's coming from an MP mm. in the UK. She's it from um, Liverpool. She even said that there's clear racism because in the whole of Liverpool, there's only one black head teacher. Jeez. But Liverpool is one of the first places in Britain to have a substantial black community. So how could they only have one black head teacher? racism exists let's not play games but also even like kind of in light of that report if you think even what's kind of happened in the news in the last few months of um a substantial amount of black children going missing when um you know the kind of well quote unquote high profile um black children went missing richard when they told his mum, if you can't find him, how can we? And it's like, mm. so it's even there. I feel like people are either ignorant or stupid or arrogant or whatever it is to not even realise the racist connotations to a lot of these things and to even, nothing's been done about it. Like I see a lot of things on social media, but that's because of, the people that I follow so then I'm able to interact with a lot of this news but there's a lot of things that have been going on in the world to a lot of ethnic minorities where it's not highlighted or where there's um you know 
not much is really done about it. It's kind of put to a side. So I feel like even just then that report it is just an insult because how are you telling someone that they need to, um, if they can't find their missing child, how can the police do it when the police are, again, quote unquote, meant to protect us? Um, that again, just is a clear example. There's so many clear examples that make this report look nonsense. Because it is nonsense, it's nonsensical. I mean, the case of Richard is just a clear example of the fact that we are over the police and underprotected. You can't find missing black people and black children. But if one of us commits a crime, you'll find a black person for that crime, even exactly. if it's not the actual person who committed it. Let's, let's be clear, okay? <laughs> Education system. You cannot, you cannot get black boys, Caribbean boys in particular, to do better academically, but you can still get them excluded. Let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> like, exactly. Racism exists. And the thing is, it's not, people are not ignorant. People are not stupid. People don't actually care. Mm. It, racism exists and some people are just some people think that like how can I put it like racism is just one of those things there's nothing you can do about it so stop yeah. complaining about it and sort of like get on with it there's nothing that can be done so I don't even think it's that people don't don't like know that racism exists or understand that racism racism exists i just think it's not the kind of battle that they're willing to fight it's like patriarchy for example some people fully don't care yeah society is patriarchal but what are you going to do about it just live your life and stop complaining and i just think that's the wrong mentality to have like not everybody wants to be a martyr for the cause i get that but simultaneously I feel like silence makes you just as bad as mm -hmm. the oppressor, if that makes sense. Yeah, silence is compliant. If you're silent and you're a regular person, but you're silent against racism or any isms that are going on in society, then I feel like you're just as bad as the issue itself. I don't know how that, I don't even know if that makes sense. Like you can't be an ally unless you're actively speaking out about it. Exactly. And, but the thing is as well, I think a lot of people think this whole like um, acting on things, it's, you need to be loud and proud about it. It could actually just be a situation where, I think given this example before, but you know, if you're in the staff room and you're hearing a teacher talk a certain way about um, a certain student or they're stereotyping or they're using those negative connotations, actually calling them out and taking action there and there is actually calling out and doing the work um are you yourself thinking about how to be better or even just sometimes listening to people who are from um oppressed communities and listening to them and then thinking right what can i do to um in my everyday actions to improve so even like you know students who are from not just you know ethnic minorities but even in terms of sexuality and their identity how can you as a teacher or just as a person even be better and stick up for those communities because we're not yes we're black women but we're not part of every other every um oppressed community in society there's so many others so even us 
um, there's work to do. As people, there's always work to do. It's whether you're prepared to actually want to do that work. Like you said, you could just sit there and be like, oh, it's, it's not going to affect me, is it? So I'm not going to really do the work, do the research or speak out. So it's easy. I think there's so many people that choose to do that, um, which is problematic in itself, isn't it? So. I completely agree. I think that you need to be willing to do the work. And obviously we speak a lot about black people and black young people. Mm. because we ourselves are black and we speak to that experience even though it's not a homogenous experience but like you said there are other groups that are oppressed other groups that are what's words disenfranchised by the education system not just black boys but there's obviously other groups as well that don't do as well pakistanis mm -hmm tend not to do well in the education system. Bangladeshis also yeah. tend not to do well. There is this notion that all Asian kids do well in the education system. Actually, no, they don't. Um, there is prejudices and stereotypes there as well. Even like the white working class, exactly. that's still a group that, that, you know, isn't doing well. And we know this because it's been the case for however many years decades and so we just need to do the work we need to advocate for these kids like you said yeah. if conversations are happening in the staff room that do not sound correct and you are privy to those conversations you may want to say something you know and it's about holding yourself accountable mm. as well as holding the people around you accountable because and a black square on Instagram is not going to save a black child. You know, a pink square isn't going to save a girl. I mean, let's be clear, there's a lot more that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. I feel like, as well, people have just been talking about inclusion and diversity, black squares, Black Lives Matter, hashtag this, hashtag that. Okay, but what are you actually doing, like, on the ground? Are you actively doing something? And for a lot of people, the resounding answer is no. Yeah. You know, people are not doing anything aside from what you see like you said before i think in one of our previous episodes about things just being performative mm -hmm. and i think like that's what's come out of this whole pandemic and this whole working from home and this whole lockdown is that when you take away the opportunity for people to like come together for a movement you see the ones who are really willing and really ready to like speak out against things because some people are literally just happy being like Instagram warriors and posting things, but they're not attending like, I don't know, Black Lives Matter marches. They're not putting up, you know, racism, like on the street, that kind of thing. So I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like this year that we've been doing this podcast, you've really seen the lack of mobility amongst yeah. some people in terms of like mobilizing for a cause. One, on the other hand, you've seen how people can mobilize for themselves, like the kids at the Pimlico Academy, yeah. who um, protested 
I think there was another teacher in Tottenham. Yeah. He, um, what did he do? He got like a, what's the word? He did a petition. That's the word, petition. He did a petition to get the head teacher out, right? For this problematic zero tolerance policy. And behaviour management. He, the head teacher, um, suspect, well, excluded four black students in year 11. And I feel like even just that year 11, to do that in year 11 is just disastrous because it's like year 11 going into year 12. Well, that ability to get your grades, that's an exam year. You know, you've just kind of, that's the high point of their well the pinpoint of their education where they're putting in the work that they've done and then you're getting rid of them in four years rather than I feel like sometimes um when it comes to the behavior policies in schools it's always at a disadvantage to children of ethnic minorities because I feel like some people bring in what is the unconscious bias isn't it and the stereotypes that they have from um children from certain backgrounds um so whether it's you know white working class um pakistani bangladeshi or black they have that prejudice naturally towards them and i've seen it myself over these years that i've been teaching where it's like a cat with nine lives where some children have those chances and then some other children it's like, right, you've done one thing, that's it, done, done. And it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? Um, so it's even like, you know, I really felt it for that teacher because he was able, he's an advocate for young people where you're not just a teacher, you're genuinely wanting to um, improve the quality of life for the children that you teach. And... I feel like school, it is that stepping stone. You can, the, the um, way you're treated at school by the adults around you really is, um, can kind of give you an insight and can make you think, wait, is this how I'm going to be treated um, outside? So to be doing that to these young black boys, um, already thinking about, well, not even thinking about the position they have in society clearly wasn't that just dismissiveness you have to think okay what's that making them think about how society is going to see them in the future and i feel like that head teacher has failed those children um and it's as simple as that that's not your job so yeah a no, radical teacher i think that's that comes with the territory of being a black teacher like mm. sometimes your job not just a black teacher but a teacher who actually cares about more than just the education like for some of us it's not just about teaching our subject it's about genuinely working with the kids on a more sort of not personal level but I can't think of a better word so we we'll just use that but I feel like what comes with that is like your job oftentimes you want to reach out to these kids you want to help and support them but that also might go against like what your other colleagues want to do yeah and so like sometimes 
like you're you're risking it. You're risking people not wanting to talk to you or people seeing you as problematic because you're supporting the kids over um the school if that sort of makes sense yeah um because not everybody is an ally for the children that's it sometimes you want to be an ally for the kids and being an ally sometimes is at the expense of your own paycheck exactly and that's the thing when people then they'll make that assumption when they then say oh you know those um you know those passive aggressive phrases oh you're down with the kids, or you're this, you're that, when actually, no, I'm just trying to understand these young people. I'm trying to enrich their lives. I'm trying to actually just see them as a person. And I feel like sometimes with kind of over the years, um, how education has gone, where they're just seen as a number, why is it you're not getting a nine or an eight or whatever? rather than thinking about the pastoral um, side of things. I feel like that's education's very much gone down that business field route when it shouldn't be. Because I feel like growing up, when I was at school, one thing that made me want to become a teacher, especially when from primary school and going into secondary school, it kind of just had a, a lot more of a family feel vibe. Like even I remember growing up at primary school and, you know, parents being able to come in, obviously like there's a lot more safeguarding policies and things like that in place now, but you know, like parents coming in and um, reading to your classes, like parents reading to their kids' classes and assemblies and summer fairs, like that for me is what school was about. It had such a family feel, whereas I feel like it's kind of lost that essence. Um, school used to be exciting, like, I feel like even when we were at school, when we used to have, like, our non-uniform days, and, um, you know, like, even talks, we even had, like, Sir Ian McKellen come in, like, randomly, I don't know for what reason, but, yeah, I feel like we're just losing that in schools at the moment, so... You know, hopefully, I think if there's one thing that we realised over this year is, um, oh, well, that kind of was at the start of the pandemic, that again kind of died off, but was just that impact and the importance teachers have. Um, but anyways, I'm the pandemic done with that um there was another thing though in terms of like school policies that came out the other day which i thought was very problematic was in um, a school in wales the head teacher getting rid of um back from september banning skirts um for learners because and that includes staff and the, the students um, because and saying they can only wear tailored trousers or shorts because there was a, apparently there was a concern over the length of learners' skirts. Look, <laughs> look, I, that just doesn't sit well with me. I just feel like students. There are some students who actually feel like wearing a skirt is not necessarily part of their culture, but it's a way in which they would like to practice their 
culture and their identity and I just feel like I think it's strange to be honest if it was already the school policy then I suppose you just wouldn't enroll your child at that school Mm. but and let's say it, it was a new school or something like that but for me I'm very skeptical and plus as a teacher don't be telling me what I can and can't wear like maybe I don't as an adult yeah as an adult like please don't do that but um as a student I just feel like for particular things telling kids that they can't wear particular things or they can't do particular things to their hair I just feel like this is just perpetuating you know, poor understanding around certain things that already exist in mainstream society. I just feel like education is a microcosm for the problems we have just generally, mm-hmm. because you could just tell kids that they have to have their skirt at a certain mm-hmm. level, right? Maybe knee length or what was it, like three centimetres below the knee or whatever. Okay. Like in school that policy but like saying no skirts completely mm. I don't know I don't know I, I just think that's like I read the article and some parents were saying that their daughters in particular weren't happy because they only ever wear skirts yeah. and for some people think about like people who are like body conscious maybe the trousers are too tight maybe they don't want their bottoms on show maybe they prefer a loose fit skirt like I don't know I don't think it's fair to be honest it's very, it's, um, like you said, like the whole thing about education being a microcosm for the problems we face in society. I feel like you're completely correct. Like, I agree with that because the whole thing about, um, you know, the policing of even women's bodies, like if you wear this, you're then asking for, or, you know, all of those connotations that um, how women have to dress. There's so much opinions on, what women have to wear or women have to make sure they're doing this to not be followed at night and things like that. I feel like it's just so problematic. It's like we're setting, is this, is, is this the expectation that we're setting for these young people when they leave school that if you wear this, it's unproblematic. If your hairstyle's like this, it's unprofessional, you know, the hair policies that we have in schools are um, outdated. If I, the one I get, yes, um, having your hair tied up. If you're obviously doing like PE or drama or something, yeah, you want to have your hair out your face. But saying it, it's if you have it, you know, um, fade a fade, or if you've got braids and they're different colours, or this, that, or the other. It's like, where's that? Why is that, that if I've got my hair braided or if I've got a fade, why is that unprofessional? We're kind of giving them that um, idea that how they look, like conditioning them to think, right, how I look and how I present myself, this looks professional just because of my hair. Where we know with sometimes, um, like for example with boys, like black Caribbean boys or black African boys, we, we do grow out their hair, so then they do have braids. They're allowed to do that. It's not unprofessional. I don't understand um, why these things are such an issue, but a lot of these um, policies in regards to hair and uniform 
are so outdated anyway. Because what about um, students in schools who are um, choosing, you know, going through their identity and thinking, actually, this is not what I want to identify as. What are we as schools doing in terms of our uniform and our hair policy, well, overall uniform policies to protect those students as well? And I feel like it's just outdated incredibly. It's not a reflection of how, well, societies, some areas of society are trying to progress. So it's very problematic. Yeah, I think hugely outdated and hugely problematic. I was on a talk the other day and I think Diane Abbott was in the on the call I should say somebody called Lamaya who like runs this um organization to do like race and equality in education something along those lines and they were talking about how the uniform po policies particularly uniform policies around um, appropriate um hairstyling often disproportionately affect like ethnic minority students so like you said not wearing braids as part of the uniform policy um i think on one of the uniform policies it said like no you could only have box braids if they were knotless can you imagine so you can only have knotless braids and they could only be the same color as your hair your natural hair color now the gag is this not all black people have dark brown hair. Can we actually be clear that black people have more exactly. colours to our exactly. hair than just one B? So you may think a child has dyed his or her hair, but that could actually be their hair colour, okay? Also, the issue is, is that is just based on a stereotype because a white person could dye their hair from like brunette to blonde or from yeah. blonde to brunette but because those two hair colors we are associating them with um said people you wouldn't even think to say oh so and so's dyed her hair a different color to her natural hair if that sort of makes sense and on top of that things like students can't have big hair well, let's be clear, big is very subjective. Effectively, yeah. what you're saying is that students cannot have afros, but afro hair is their natural hair. Mm. So on the one hand, you want students to only wear their natural hair, but on the other hand, if their natural hair is too much for you to handle, then you don't want them to wear that version of their natural hair. And I just think that's just BS, to be honest. Yeah. I just feel like, no, it is. It's clear BS, because yeah. here's the thing. Those kinds of policies are clearly targeted at black children. Mm. And black parents, you need to start flagging that stuff up if you're yeah. going to send your kid to that school. Because I can't see why I'm going to be going to school and I can't wear my natural hair because it's too big and it might block the view of other people. So might a top not bun. But, you know, exactly. other people still have it. And there was a girl on the tour. I think her name is Ruby, I'm going to say. But she's 19 now. But I think a few years ago when she was in year 11, 
she was wearing her like natural hair to school and her teachers were basically sending her home saying that she couldn't come to school with her natural hair because her afro was too big and it was um blocking the view of other students and it just wasn't appropriate and so every time she came to school with her natural hair they would send her home to the point where she was spending like more time at home than she was at school and her parents her dad was a rasta i believe or had lots at least um they obviously tried to challenge the school um but the school were just very sort of resistant and in the talk it did say that there are laws in britain that do protect mm. people young people from these kinds of racialized mm. um, uniform policies so if you are in a school where your child is being, what's the word, penalised for a hairstyle that isn't like part of the code of conduct, you can actually take the school to court. There was a um, Rastafarian boy who went to one of those private boys' schools. Mm. I can't remember. Was it in Kent? Could be making that up. Went to a private boys' school, had dreadlocks. I think they were him and his mum were on Good Morning Britain at one point. And basically, they were saying he had to cut his dreads in order to come. I shouldn't say dreads. He had to cut his locks in order to um, be part of the school. Yeah. But that's his cultural, that's his culture. That's their hair that grows on his head. Moral of the story is this, people. You can challenge schools and head teachers yeah. if they like suspend your kids based on their hairstyle. Mm. Um, that's actually not okay, and that's not actually good teaching practice. Why would you want to get rid of kids because they have hair that's blonde instead of black because they dyed it? This is is it is it worth suspending those kids? Is that how disposable children are in the exactly. education system in Britain? I don't. I. I, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, that definitely irks me. It's um, it's. I was gonna say something, but I'm just not. I'll I'll have to say that after the recording. <laughs> so, because it is problematic. It's pro- the things I think. Is oh, like, I think I know what you're going to say. Is it about you? Oh, that's it. After. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I, think um, I think as well. It's trying to help parent is trying to help educate parents like actually um as a parent i think as well just thinking back um i was just speaking about schools the other day with my mum about in terms of parents don't obviously speak all about you know this is the reputation that this school has in the area or that school in the area but as a parent like actually going on this website and knowing where to find the policies read those policies read um see if you can actually go and you know visit the school on a normal day um because i remember my dad and i did that the school that we went to they actually did that um back in the day you just actually got to see it on a normal day i know quite a few the school that i worked at previously did that as well and that i think most schools do that now but doing that um it's, yeah. Even as a teacher, sometimes, let's be clear, even as a teacher, you want to make sure the school that you're at, the behaviour policy that they're, that you're going to have to use, you yeah. want to make sure you're okay with that behaviour policy. You want to make sure you're okay um, with how children are disciplined. Otherwise, you might be working in the wrong school. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just saying. Definitely, definitely. Well, everyone, I feel like we've done a good round up of a year of teacher talk. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us. There's a lot more to come. If you, there's anything um, you want us to discuss, or if you even want to come on and share your story, then please do. Please interact with us on social media. Stay strong, teachers. We are not far away. The end is so near. Summer is upon us and then winter is coming. (laughs) No, 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 because I was going to say hot girl summer and then I just, when you said winter's coming, I thought Games of Thrones. Yeah, literally. I thought I'd just plug that in there. But no, hot girl summer for real. And hot boy summer as well. Yes, yes. For the the man then, just in case they, you know, want to enjoy. But yeah, you have to enjoy and live life. Because I think like we can get consumed by the job people. Don't let it consume you. You've been consumed by COVID and COVID restrictions. If you can, if you're happy and healthy and willing to, enjoy your summer when it comes. Exactly. Take care. Bye.